0: Today we're in our last sermon of our series, With Good, and if you have missed any of this, I would encourage you, go back and listen to it, because it has been one of my favorite series that we have done, Um, and we're going to be talking about, like, doing good with forgiving others. Doing good with forgiving others. And this is not going to be a fun message today, so I'm just going to let you know, it's not, it's not fun to forgive others, right? It's, just, it's, it's difficult. And today I want to talk to you about the pause button and redneck water slides. The pause button and redneck water slides. And before we get to talking about forgiving others, I want to talk to you about what would happen if we did some preventative maintenance when it comes to unforgiveness in our life. Right. What if we could keep unforgiveness from holding and taking effect and getting in our life in the first place? And that's what I want to talk to you about. And if we're going to be that kind of person where unforgiveness doesn't have a hold in our life and we're going to do preventative maintenance, here's what I want to tell you today is that we've got to stop fast-forwarding towards anger and learn to push pause instead. We've got to stop fast-forwarding towards anger and learn to push pause instead. I had a crazy conversation about two weeks ago with my daughters. Um, We're sitting around the dinner table and we're sitting there talking and I'm like, hey, just just curious, have you guys ever watched TV and not been able to pause live TV? And they're like, what are you talking about? You can't do that? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you can't do that? Yeah, and they're like, no, no." like my whole life, I've been able to push pause and pause live TV and I'm like, holy cow, I've ruined my children, right? And and, like, there were certain moments I remember of my dad growing up. And one of those was how much he would always tell me how much he could buy with a dime, right? Like, and so, like, back in my day, Justin, I could go to the to the quick trip or to the convenience store and I could buy a can of pop, a candy bar and a stick of gum all for a dime. Right. And I'm like, who sells a stick of gum in the first place? But anyways, um, I was like, and this was my dime at a convenience store moment. I'm like kids back in my days. Right. Well, let me tell you this, Justin, um, that back in my day, like if you didn't watch a show, it was gone forever. There was no reruns. You didn't know who shot JR until your buddies told you. You missed Bo and Luke Duke jumping the hills, right? Like, how'd they get away from Roscoe this time? I don't know. It's a mystery. Probably has something to do with their car, but, but you couldn't. boss. <laughs> live TV, right? Let's, let's get real here. If you missed the Scooby-Doo mystery on Saturday mornings, you were left doubting for the rest of your life, right? Like, what happened? <laughs> Who was really behind the mask? We have such an advantage to be able to push... Pause, and there's this other button called fast forward. And fast forward's really cool because you don't have to watch commercials at all. Like if you've recorded something on your DVR, you can just go. Bloop. But but here's what always happens to me: I push fast forward, and it goes too fast, right? And then it gets into your show and you're like, no, stop, stop. And what do you do when the remote's not working? What do you do to the button? Push it harder, pretty close, right? You're just like, no. And I start talking to TV, why, why? And I'm pointing and like, go, stop, stop, stop. Why why is this happening? Why do you hate me, God, right? It all comes into my spiritual, all this stuff. Anyways, because here's what happens. I start fast forwarding to something and to a place in my show I don't wanna be. And when you and I live in fast forward, when it comes to our emotions, what I can tell you is you fast forward into an area of your life you don't wanna be. And it's not healthy and it's not good for you to function and not live with a life that doesn't have unforgiveness attached to it. And if you and I are going to live our lives without unforgiveness being a part of it, we're going to have to get better at learning to pause our emotions instead of living in fast forward. Because a lot of us, we fast forward real quick. We get mad, somebody says something To you, somebody says something about you. Mama, they say it about your kids. Well, let me tell you about what you can do, right? And we fast forward into a lot of dysfunctional areas. When it comes to us getting angry, let me give you three things we fast forward to. We fast forward to assumptions. We assume we know what they meant. We get that text. They didn't mean anything by it, but you read tone into text. Can I we get in trouble when we read tone into text every time? Oh, you're gonna text that to me at midnight? What are you doing on your phone at midnight anyways? Go to bed. Anyways, um We're we're texting, we, we we assume their tone, we assume what they meant, they didn't invite us out with everybody else, they hate my guts, if you hate me, I hate you. It's this whole vicious thing, and we know what assumption makes us, right? There's this little saying out there that I can't say, but we know, we know, right? And what do we do when we assume? We assume the worst instead of believing for the best. That's what assumption does. The other thing we fast forward into is offense. If you're tired of people being offended by you, maybe you shouldn't be offended all the time by others. It goes both ways. And if you're getting offended all the time, and you're offending people all the time, there's this common denominator between the two, and you're right in the middle. Right? And there, there's offense. And we fast forward, well, just, my, my feelings get hurt, my emotions get hurt, and all of a sudden I become offended. And offended is a choice you choose to pick up offense. And when you get offended, it's really hard to deal with because offense turns into unforgiveness really quick. The third thing is this, we fast forward into, is we start trash talking and mean mugging. And you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to a mid-high and sit by a mid-high girl's table and you will see what trash talking and mean mugging is real fast, right? Look at her, she ain't all that, right? I I don't know who does their head like this every time I talk about trash talking, but, but like that's... What I think. And some people, you start looking at them when they walk in, you're just like, I don't like them. Well, surprise. Nobody could tell. Like, that's a shocker. Really? And you talk bad about why? Because we've lived our emotions in fast. Forward. And here's what the Bible says about if we live our life, and fast forward when it comes to anger and our emotions, here's what the Bible says about us. Proverbs 18 is full of it. So go read Proverbs 18. It says, Fool have, fools have no interest in understanding, have no interest in pushing pause. They only want to fast forward to air their own opinions. All right? Fools' words get them into constant quarrels, and they are asking for a beating. Some of you are asking for Will Smith to come up get. Anyways, the mouths of fools are their ruin and they trap themselves with their lips spouting off. I love this one. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. We assume, right? We fast forward to assuming without getting all the facts. We just air our opinions. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. He lives and fast forward, but a wise man quietly holds it back. He pushes pause. (coughs) Bible says this, anger labels you a fool. And when you and I don't learn to deal with anger correctly and we don't learn to hit pause, we're living life in a really foolish way because it's leading us somewhere we don't want to be, right? So how do we push pause? Well, it's found in James chapter 1, verse 10. He says this, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to react. No. You must all be quick to air your opinion. No. You must all be quick to listen. Not just hear, don't just hear what they're saying, listening, listen to what they're saying. You must all be quick to listen. That pushes pause right on off the bat. You learn, you, you're quick to listen, you're slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You're not rushing to assume. You're not rushing to be offended. You're not rushing to mean mugging and trash talking, but you are pushing pause and you are taking time. You are really quick to listen. Well, what are we supposed to listen to? I'm glad you asked. I will tell you what we're supposed to listen to. The first thing is this you're supposed to listen to the Word of God, the Bible, right? And some of you are like, well, God never talks to me. The reason God never talks to you is because your Bible's always closed right? Stop talking to me about, man, God just doesn't speak to me when your Bible's never open. God speaks to you through his word. His word says this, it's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. He uses it to correct us, to rebuke us, to show us what is right and wrong in our lives. That's the word of God. You need to get into the word of God so that the, the, the word of God can speak to your life. The second thing is this, you needed to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about, Justin? The Holy Spirit will speak to you. If you'll take time to push pause, get still and get quiet and listen. And we're great at praying a lot of times, and we're great at telling God what we need, but many times we're not so good at stopping to listen. What does he want to say to you? And and let me say this. If he says something that is contrary to the word of God, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's a pizza you ate last night. (laughs) Right? If God's, you said, God saw a vision, God calling me to have a naked donut store. That is not, that is not from God. I'm just going to let you know. I don't know why a naked donut store, it just fit right now. Like, no, that, that, no, no, no. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit never contradicts his word. Amen. The other thing is this, listen, listen to wise and biblical counsel. There's some people that are wise, but they're not biblical. You better surround yourself with people. There's some people who are biblical, but not wise. There's people that grew up in church, they know the Bible, but they're dumb. (laughs) Let's just call it the way it is. I'm just like, you are the dumbest person I've ever met. You know the Bible inside and out. Why don't you do it, right? So, <laughs> you got to find people that aren't just wise. You got to find people that are biblically wise to give you wise biblical counsel. So, so that's what you. That's how you hit pause. But, but we got to, golly, we got to get going, right? What do you do when you're battling unforgiveness, when people have done you wrong? Right? When people have wronged you, they've hurt you, what do you do? Remember at the very beginning of the series, I encouraged all of us to read the book of Romans. And if you haven't, I would challenge you, go back and read it. But Romans chapter 12, beginning to end, the very title of this chapter is called Living Sacrifices. What, What we're called to be is just a living Sacrifice. For the Lord. And Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Don't act like everybody else, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. <coughs> Romans chapter 12, 17 and 18, never pay back evil with more evil. Right. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable and do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Stop thinking and acting like everyone else. Just because they did you wrong doesn't mean you're called to do them wrong. God's calling you to act different and be different because we're called to be that, right? And then it comes to this this climax verse at the end of Romans chapter 12, verse 21. So don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, right? And you say, well, I don't like this verse. I know I don't either, but here's what I will tell you. If what are you going to do when people have done you wrong? How do you overcome unforgiveness by doing good. The first thing is this, you understand forgiveness is hard. Can we just stop there for just a second? (laughs) And can we lean into the truth of this very first part of this statement? Forgiveness is hard. Teenagers, if you don't learn anything else, learn this. Forgiveness isn't easy, it's hard. And the older you get, the harder it becomes it seems. Forgiveness is hard, but it is necessary and a matter of obedience. Can I tell you what I have discovered is doing good most of the time is willing to do what is hard. Doing the good thing is most of the time willing to do the hard thing. And some of you, you've been holding on to unforgiveness, you've been holding on to bitterness, you've been holding on to anger, and there's a better way for you to live. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 14 through 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But... If you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, that's, that's hard. It is hard. And this is right after the Lord's Prayer, right, to give you some context. Jesus is teaching us how to pray, and then he's teaching us how to get our prayers answered. And he's saying this, if you're holding on to bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, here's a problem. You're creating a blockage in your flow with your Heavenly Father. And if you know anything about blockage, when you got blockage in your body with your health, with your emotions, with your relationships, you've got problems. There's some serious issues that that blockage leads to. There's side effects that blockage has to it. Um, When I was a teenager and I was in college, um, one of the things that I did uh, between my junior and senior year, I interned for my local, like my home church back in Mustang, Oklahoma. And they were desperate for people to go to kids' camp. And so they had me go to kids' camp. And i got to tell you, I'm the world's worst. I would be awful in children's ministry. Um, <clears throat> I was a horrible counselor. Every night I told our kids ghost stories and stories about demon possession to make them go sleep. Um, I'm just being honest. I was like, yeah, that little kid got possessed and his head started turning and like throwing up everywhere. And if you're not careful, that demon will come in and possess you right now. So go to sleep. They went to sleep right off the bat you say I'm problematic. I think I'm pretty great. Um, I mean, I talk about mass murderers and when kids were acting up, there was this bridge and I talk about old Creek man Johnson came and he'd kill kids when they're walking on the bridge and there were kids that wouldn't go to sleep. And I got them and I walked them down that bridge. I'm like, go walk. And I hope old Creek man Johnson doesn't kill you right now. Um, <laughs> they never came back to church. <laughs> it's the deal. that's a true story. Unfortunately. Um, Never got to be in part of children's ministry since. They had a redneck water slide at this camp. It was made out of heavy-duty plastic, gone soap, and it kind of went down this hill into this creek that was full of leeches, it was a great time, right? And so, um, all the kids went, and then the sponsors would go, right? And you got contests and all these things. Well, one of the contests was to see who could surf down the redneck water slide the longest. <coughs> so... Being this 20-year-old who's trying to impress 10-year-olds, because that's what we do, right? Like, that's, that's a real thing. Um, I'm like, I'll surf it. I got this. And I'm going down, and all the kids are like, whoa, look at him go. And I get about three-quarters of the way, and I slip, right? And I fall, and I nail my shoulder. I fall on my right shoulder, and it is at this point that I taste the bitterness of what it is to be mortal for the first time in my life. <laughs> I pretty much lived my whole life not having any injuries until this moment. And I fall and I hit my shoulder and unbeknownst to me, I separated my shoulder. I just knew I couldn't move it and literally I just slide down like this large mass of potatoes into the creek and I just flop into the creek. I'm just like bloop. And I I can't lift my arm. I'm like, the kids are yelling like, that was awesome. I'm like, yeah, I can only lift my left arm. I'm like, yeah. You know what I'm like? Something is not right right now. I go back to the dorm. I'm trying to take my shirt off. I can't take my shirt off. Um, I have to rip my shirt off like Hulk Hogan, like Hulkamanias are going to run wild on you, right? Like, what you going to do? So um, I I take my shirt off. I don't know what's going on today. Um, I take my shirt off today and um, like, it's, then I've got this knot right here and still have it. Um, and so I'm like, man, this isn't good. My arm starts swelling up, my hand swells up, and I'm like, ah oh, man, so they take me to the doctor, I go to the doctor when I get home with my dad. We go to the doctor, and he's like, Okay, here's what's happened. You've separated your shoulder, you have a second degree separation, your nerves are kind of exposed a little bit, and here's one of two choices. You can get surgery, you can get operation on it deal with it, and therapy is going to be a beast, but that's choice one, or you can have this lump the rest of your life and live with it. I chose B, like any 20-year-old, like I'll just live with it, right? Like big deal, no big deal. And so I still have this lump, and here's the problem, is that still to this day, every once in a while, it'll flare up. It'll bother me at the gym, doing different things, and it doesn't make sense. It will just bother me. Why does it bother me? Because I dealt with the symptoms instead of the issue, Right? And some of us, we're dealing with the symptoms of unforgiveness instead of the source of unforgiveness. And we're going, well, I don't know why I am constantly angry and I don't know why I am depressed and I don't know why I'm bitter and I don't know why I'm constantly pushed people away and I'm lonely and I'm struggling with all this stuff. And you're trying to deal with loneliness and bitterness and the loss of your peace and your joy and you're dealing with the symptoms, but you've never gotten to the root and the source of the problem of all this is coming because you've got a blockage happening that's called unforgiveness that is hampering your relationship with your heavenly father. And the reason you've got all these symptoms is because you've never dealt with the source of what's going on. And here's what Paul instructs us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 through 15. It says this, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Some of you have been carrying this around for so long. And you're like, I just don't want to do it because it's too hard. I know forgiveness is hard, but it's necessary in a matter of forgiveness. And Paul is saying this, stop carrying it around, stop putting it off. Now is the time to get rid of it. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Not to become like other Christians, not become like your mom and dad, become like... Him in this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Check out verse 13 make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For far too long, unforgiveness has been ruling in your hearts instead of the peace of Christ. For as one members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone. Everybody say anyone. Anyone Anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Another translation says this, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Don't let it set in. And some of us, man, We just don't know. Can I tell you, Paul is saying this? He's not saying if you get offended, if you get hurt, if you get, if somebody does something bad or wrong to you. He says when right? It's it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You're going to get hurt. You can do everything right and still get hurt. And Paul is saying this, man, if we're going to live our life doing good and not being conquered by every wrong that's been done to us, if we're going to have this Joseph moment with his brothers that he says, man, what you intended for harm, God intended and used for good, the saving of many lives. If there's going to be a flip to the script where we're overcoming the evil that's been done with us, there's got to come a place where you stop trying to feel your way to forgiveness and you choose your way there. Right? Because you're never going to feel your way to doing what is hard. You're going to have to choose your way to coming to a place of forgiving others and forgiving all the wrong. Because here's what I will tell you. You can't carry your cross while holding on to a grudge. You can't. You can't carry your cross like Christ has called us to while you're busy holding on to a grudge. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9 says this, Only fools get angry quickly and hold a grudge. Sometimes the Bible takes the gloves off and calls it out. This is one of those moments, and Solomon's saying this. It's foolish for you to get angry, but not just that, and carry it around. Carry the grudge that comes from it. Because the only person it's hurting is you. And it's foolish for you to carry something you know is going to hurt you. Two years ago, Casey was cleaning out our flower beds. On the front of the, uh, the house, and I'm out there, I, th- I think I'm fishing, something like that, I'm doing something, I'm having, I'm playing, and she's working, that's what's happening, I'm just gonna let you know, I'm playing, she's working, and she starts digging around, and we all know I hate snakes, and she finds this tiny snake, and I come up to the house, she's like, look what I have, and I'm like, and I wanted to throw up right then and there, um, but I tried to man up, and I'm like, I'm like, Casey, and anytime time we use each other's first name, we don't call each other names. When we're getting ready to fight, we use each other's first names. I heard you, Casey, right? Like, Justin, I'm on it. I've heard you five times. Say it, Justin. I got it. Okay, Casey. Okay, Margo, right? Like, we, that's what we do. Like, okay. And I go, Casey, put the snake down. Ooh, are you scared? I go, Casey, put the snake down. And I grab a hoe. And she looks at me and she's like funny. I go, Casey, I'm like, put the snake down. And I'm like, she's like, well, freaking out. I mean, I'm about that high, right? Like that, that, my voice goes that because she's holding a baby copperhead. And I'm like, put the snake. You are holding something that's going to hurt. She put it down. I didn't even use a hole. I just stomped on it. I was like, I'm just, ah, you know, I had steel toe boots. I'm like, that's what you do. Just, I'm gonna stomp on the devil, right? Like, Just do it. Use what the Lord gave you. She didn't know it was going to hurt her, or she never would have picked it up. And most of the time, we don't know the results of unforgiveness is going to have in us. But you're just like Casey. You're carrying something that's going to hurt you the most. And that's not a wise way to live. And Jesus says this in Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone wants to be a follower of mine, time out. Jesus is saying this, it's not about loving me, it's about following me. Right? Everybody loves Jesus, but are you following him? Because what I've come to discover is we're great at loving God, but not so great at following God. He's saying this, if you're going to be a follower, if anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself. But they did, I, I know. But they shouldn't have, I know. What, today is not about saying what they did was right. It's not right. But today is about you're not called to live a life that's all about getting even. Because here's what I have discovered. It's really hard to offend dead people. And what I am trying to do better at is learning to die better because the more I die, the easier it is for me to forgive. And Jesus is saying this, if you're gonna follow after me, it's about denying yourself, picking up your cross, dying to yourself so that you can now follow me and be my follower and be my disciple. Some of you, man, you've been holding on to a grudge so long. If Jesus could only carry a cross at one time and nothing else, that's all you and I can carry. And you gotta let go of everything else you got to release it because the per, just like Casey Holden said, the only person that's hurting is you. And the person that benefits the most from you forgiving all the wrong and all the things that were done, the person that benefits the most is you. I love what Corey Timboom Boom said. She wrote a book. If you've never read it, it's called The Hiding Place. It's an old book. It's a fantastic read. Um, parents, read it with your kids if you've never read it. Corey Timboom and their family—they're in Holland. When the Nazis invade, they take in the Jews and they're hiding the Jews. And they're betrayed by some of their close friends. And so they go to a Nazi prison. Um, her dad is killed in the Nazi prison, and her and her sister go to a concentration camp, Ravensbruck, where her sister dies. And we fast forward to 1947, we pick up to where Cory Timboom is writing this story. She's been released from Ravensbrück concentration camp, and check this out, she went back to Germany to preach the forgiveness of God to the German people. And she tells this amazing true story, so stick with me just for a little bit. It says, it was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeat Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever, and then he puts up a sign that says, no fishing allowed. And that's when I saw him. Working his way forward against the others as they were leaving, one moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat and the next moment a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rust. The huge room was filled with harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath her parchment skin. Betsy, How thin you were. The place was Ravensbrook, and the man who was making his way forward in the basement of that church had been my guard, one of the most cruel guards I had. And now he was in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message. How good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I who had spoken of forgiveness fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of executed women? But I remembered him. And it was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying, and I was a guard there. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there. I whose sins had again and again been forgiven, and I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It couldn't have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. I knew it was not only a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for the victims of the Nazi brutality. And those who were able to forgive their former enemies were also able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. And it was as simple and as horrible as that. And as I stood there, With the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. And I love this line. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much, but you must supply the feeling. And so woodenly and mechanically, I stretched out my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried. With all my heart, I forgive you. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then, but even so, I realized that it was not my love. I had tried and did not have the power. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And today you may be here and maybe your forgiveness fills that heart. And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and take the hand. Just as she said, man, I can lift my hand. I can do that. Forgiveness is an act of the will and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And if you're going to overcome evil with good, If you're going to live this life with good, you can't function like everybody. You can't keep functioning the way you have. And I know this is hard, but I'm going to ask you, man, take the hand. Take the hand that's been extended. Even if they haven't apologized, send the hand out. And extend forgiveness because that's the better way for you to live. And that's how you overcome evil with good. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. And I thank you for today, and I thank you for your goodness. And, Lord, we're in a really hard topic today about forgiveness. And, Lord, there's some of us, we've been carrying something that has been harming us and hurting us. And, Lord, a lot of us, we've just been dealing with the symptoms instead of the source. And so, God, I pray today that we get to the source of the problem. But Lord, it's not the anger that's the problem. It's not the bitterness that's the problem. Lord, it's not the loneliness, it's not the Lord, it's all springing up. The source of it's the unforgiveness we've been carrying around. And it has been killing us slowly. It's been zapping us of our peace. It's been zapping us of our joy because we're all about even. Lord, there hadn't even been an apology yet. And so we carry our grudge, but Lord, we understand that we can't carry our cross and carry our grudge at the same time. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would help us get better at dying to ourselves. Whew. Lord, that there'd be power in that moment right now. We would get better at dying to ourselves and to our emotions and to all the wrong and the dreams that were killed. And that we pick up our cross and we would follow after you. Because Lord, something happened that knocked us off from following. And so for every person that's here, every person that is watching, I pray that in the midst of this dying to ourselves, there would be healing that happens. But Lord, you'd be close to those that are, man, it's so so hard to let this go. The damage, the hurt, the pain, it's so hard to let go of the grudge. But Lord, I pray we die to ourselves so that we can be followers of you. And in the midst of following you, that Lord, you would not let us be self-led, but spirit-led, and Holy Spirit, that you would empower us to do it. You'd equip us to do it so that we can stop wearing the wardrobe that is so heavy of bitterness and angry, and depression, and loneliness, and keeping everybody at a long distance because we've been hurt, and that there would be a wardrobe change that happens today that is love, and compassion, and peace, and joy, and patience, and kindness, and self-control. And the Lord, the evil that tried to take us out, the Lord, we would use it, as Joseph did, to do good. And we would not be conquered by evil, but we would conquer evil by doing the good thing you're calling us to do. Lord, I pray, move and work in us today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.